Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricket unfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Menas here, our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Menas will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Oh, I was not sure if I was going to turn up to record this episode of Cricket Unfiltered after the announcement overnight by the ECB that the Ashes are basically in jeopardy. So, uh, Manners, I'm here with Paul and Jaleesa. Jaleesa, am I right to be worried? Yeah, you know what? I For the first time now, I'm a little bit worried. I, I haven't been worried about the Ashes because I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, they'll come. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe if one or two players don't come, like, who cares? We've the, the rest of them will come. But it's starting to ramp up a little bit, isn't it? Feels a bit uh, serious. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sort of somewhere between shocked, angry, and very emotional. So <laughs> this could be a wild ride. Paul, um, how are you? I'm good. Uh, oh, I think they'll still come. I'm not too worried. I'm pretty relaxed. I think you. I think it's all going to be okay, mate. 
Thank you. I mean, I am very angry and disappointed at the posturing by the ECB. That statement overnight was sort of very passive aggressive. And, you know, the line uh, later this week, the ECB board will meet to decide whether the conditions in place are sufficient for the tour to go ahead and enable the selection of a squad befitting a series of this significance. Now, They've sent squads here in the past that haven't been befitting a series of this significance. And they've dozens still of them. Dozens, dozens of them. You think about that 90, 91 <laughs> squad they sent out here. Uh, that, that's not fit enough to play in an Ashes. They still sent them. The one after was rubbish. They still sent them. I mean, that is such, it's really driving me mad. The kind of the ego of some of these English players to think they're above the Ashes. So in today's episode of Cricket Unfiltered, we have all the headlines. We're going to discuss, obviously, this news that's breaking at the moment about the Ashes, and then we'll wrap it all up with Can't Let It Go. In the news headlines, we're going to look at the Aussies in the IPL and the start of the domestic season. I guess let's start with what what's transpired overnight. I mean, there's no doubt I've gone from being very confident the Ashes would go ahead to being a lot more nervous and, uh, you know, what's going to happen? Well, I just think that at its core, isn't this still a power play between the England players and the England board? That if it was up to the board, they would have already signed off on everything. But the players, with some justification, are sick of being in and out of bubbles and feeling as though that that's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with indefinitely are recognizing that the power that they have, that in the old days, whatever the board said, the players had to do. Nowadays, they realize that they earn their money in the IPL, most of them. They are a lot more powerful than they once were, and they are standing up to the ECB, and the ECB kind of have no choice but to take what they say on board. Yeah, BBC cricket writer Stefan Schemelt was on mornings with Matt White on SEN earlier today, uh, Tuesday, and he said that, you know, what's really seems to have transpired is they had the meeting on Sunday between the ECB and the players, and the ECB passed on the information to the players about the touring conditions, and that's where maybe some of the players have now said, well, that's not going to be good enough, and that's why they've the ECB have now released a statement um, since that meeting. Look, I, I just, I, I wonder, I wonder what the main. We're not uh, the thing that I'm wondering about is what is the main pro? Is their main problem quarantining at all, or is it just if they've got to do it in between states? Because I think if it's you've got to, if you're going to have to do it in between states, obviously that's not feasible. You can't come out here and quarantine for 14 days and then be. Uh, expected to be then quarantining be- between states. Cricket Australia is going to have to come up with a plan where it's where you we, we have it in two states or you know something like that. But I I can understand now why they wouldn't want to come out. But or is it just quarantining full stop? That's what I'm wondering. It's a bit of both. I think it's the initial quarantine that they want it to be as um, freeing as possible, so that they're not just confined to their hotel rooms, they want themselves and their families to have as much freedom as possible. But I think it's also the uncertainty. And that's where I think I would expect that they are seeking blanket assurances from Cricket Australia that no matter what happens, once we have done our initial quarantine, that's it. We're not going to be in any form of lockdown and we're going to be able to um, 
to, to live relatively normal lives. And of course, that's something that Cricket Australia can't, in all honesty, give them because the, who knows what the future uh, situation is going to be. If they happened to be in um, a part of Australia where suddenly there was a major outbreak, then the state premiers will do what they need to do. And whatever Cricket Australia say, even though they do have a lot of political clout, it's nowhere near the clout needed to, to cause um, state premiers to not do what they think is in the best interests of their own states. I understand it's tough, but the uncertainty is tough. But what they need to need to remember too is that it's uncertainty for everybody, not just cricketers. Like right now, we don't know in Australia what where, where we're going to be able to travel to see our families. So I, it just seems like there's a very narrow-minded view that they're putting unnecessary, well, you know, that cricket is putting in unnecessary restrictions on them. And and it seems to be lost that, no, we're all under that. I think it's also that there's just the, the philosophical difference between the way that the two countries are handling it, that England has taken the viewpoint that the pandemic is in the background now. They are going to live their lives relatively normally, and that's the way it's going to be. And so the death count that they are having and the number of cases that they are having would be unacceptable to um, the way that Australia has been handling it. And so... The players are sort of thinking, well, we want to be able to continue living the England way, but we're going to a country that where that's not necessarily going to be the case. And it's, it's going to be difficult to find a, a common ground there because ultimately Australia hasn't made that decision. And, and England are, are criticising Australia for being kind of um, uh, unworldly and uh, almost infantile, that we're not willing to just say, oh, well, we've got to be big and strong and just deal with the, pa- with the pandemic. And Australia's attitude is, there, we don't want to have uh, a large number of deaths. You seem to be more okay with that than we are, and that is puzzling to us. The scary also, thing is if it, if it comes down to letting them in and having the ashes or, you know, and accepting that view, like, it, it won't happen. Like, they are fighting a losing battle here. Maybe you just need to pull out of the ashes now because I think what they need to, what they need to understand is this isn't changing. Like, they, what are they expecting? Are they expecting the rules to change because the cricket team is coming? Well, that's not going to happen. So just pull out now so everybody can move on with their lives and schedule, put a new schedule in. Maybe we get New Zealand over. Maybe we do something like that. Jaleesa, don't start talking like that. That is horrific to think that they could cancel the Ashes because a few players don't want to come. What I do think, though, is that maybe is dragging the chain a little bit. You know, there's a lot of politics within Australia where the state associations are sort of vying for these test matches because they're so lucrative. And I wonder if Cricket Australia is reticent to guarantee England that they won't play in cities where they're in lockdown. And I have to say, I think maybe Cricket Australia's got to bite the bullet and say to England, if you come, we won't subject you to lockdown cities or quarantine once you're here and done the initial quarantine. But, you know, that would mean perhaps... Sydney or Melbourne, depending on where they are, COVID, maybe not getting a test, although the roadmap would say that it will be okay to have the tests with crowds. But, you know, they have to give the ECB those assurances, whether that puts a few states' noses out of joint. No, they, they can't, can't give those assurances. They can't, they can't give those assurances. It's think, not theirs to make. If you think because we're opening up on October 11 that we're never going to go into another lockdown, that we are definitely still at risk of doing that. If there was an absolute case explosion and our hospital systems were not coping it just because new south wales coming out of lockdown doesn't mean we'll never go back in it again where there is a chance we could go back in they could play in new south wales even with the vaccination as it is 
And New South Wales could go, you know what, our hospital systems are so overwhelmed right now, we have to go back into lockdown for another two weeks. And that applies to cricketers. So they can't give them that assurance. The best they can do is say, we will not knowingly send you somewhere where there is a lockdown. So if we get to um, the, the series is underway and all of a sudden a certain state goes into lockdown, we will pull the test match from that state and, and move to a different um, test match. But as Jaleesa said, if they happen to be in a certain city when all of a sudden uh, that city decided to go back into lockdown and the states closed their borders to that city, Cricket Australia can't override that. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm not saying they should, but I, I'm more on the, what you were saying there first, Paul, that if there's options of, say, playing in a state where there's no restrictions or going into a, a city in, in lockdown, then you say, although this test is scheduled for that city, we're not going, we'll stay here and play the next test. Yeah, I think, I think that's ultimately what they should, what they should aim for and that that's probably a workable compromise. What about Nasser Hussain's reaction? He wrote in the Daily Mail that it's basically a bit rich for Australia to start lecturing them on whether they should play in the Ashes or not. And he pointed out that England have played 18 tests since COVID started and Australia have played only um, four tests. And uh, Nasser writes, when Tim Payne, Australia's test captain, spoke recently, I didn't hear much empathy from a fellow professional. What are your reaction to Hussain's comments, especially about the 18 tests to four? I mean, he's ignoring so many different factors in there that it's not funny. So it's just laughable, I think, to to compare that. I mean, geographically, he's ignoring he's ignoring that to start with. But he's also ignoring that, yeah, they were playing them over there where risks to other countries and, and the risks of going into other countries and other countries going to them was the same. We don't have that. We don't have that in Australia. Thank God, because it means that our death rate is quite low. So I think he's just ignoring so many variables there. It's not funny. I want to manage in the time on the tradition of this program, give a rugby league analogy. Um, it reminds me <laughs> what Payne said and what Hussain said. I don't have any problem with either of them. I have got a problem with another English journal, which we'll get to. But I, I look back to there's a state of origin game about 15 years ago. I can't remember the players involved, but someone in a tackle had their head crunched into the ground a bit harshly, and he got up and threw a punch at the bloke who tackled him. Looked like there was going to be a brawl. Bill Harrigan was the referee, ran in, and in a move that kind of copped, got a lot of respect from other sports, because in other sports, you know, they would have been suspended for 100 years. He basically said, look, you probably tackled him a bit hard. You probably shouldn't have whacked him. He's hit you. You've hit him. Let's play some footy. And on they went. That's how I regard this. I think that what Tim Payne said was what you'd expect. Um, from the captain of a side, he's not meant to show um, sympathy or empathy for, for others. He's basically saying, I'm the captain of Australia. I don't care who's coming out, where it's going to play. Um, I remember Mark Taylor years ago when Australia was thrashing England was asked in the press conference afterwards, do you have any sympathy for England? He said, well, can't say I've got sympathy. They're the team I'm playing against. I mean, this rivalry, it has to have some uh, teeth to it. But by the same token, I, I can understand what H- Hussain is saying and, and coming back. And, you know, I think they've each given each other a, a slight whack. Um, we'll the, come on to this other journal in a minute that I've got a, a lot less sympathy for. The only thing I would say about Hussain's comments, and I take his point about Australia's lack of test cricket in the last 18 months. And as a fan of the test team, that is very frustrating. And I think it's a, it's a massive oversight by Cricket Australia not to schedule more series. But then when he sort of, you dig down into it and you think about the time in bubbles and quarantine, 
Hussain is missing a fundamental piece of the pie that our Australian players have had to quarantine a number of times domestically to travel from states. I mean, there are dozens of our players who've done hotel quarantine a number of times within Australia, not even to leave, just to go home, go from one state to the other. So I think he's missing that point that um, Australians are well aware of the complexities and the difficulties with hotel quarantine, but um, they're not they're not shirking it. They've done it plenty of times. What about Oliver Brown, Paul? Yeah, so he writes for The Telegraph in England. And when he tweeted out his article, he said in the tweet, the Ashes should be delayed a year. England's cricketers should not be paying the price for Australia's reluctance to, to rejoin the rest of the world. And this kind of plays into the thing that is really annoying me of late, where England is taking the viewpoint that Australia is being babies, that we're lacking in sophistication. And they, big bad England, have worked out that you've just got to roll up your sleeves and live with the pandemic. And Australia is still trying for this um, impossible situation of, um, uh, of blocking it out, as though we are sort of provincial. And he said, Queensland, due to host the first test at the Gabba in December, is still imposing statewide lockdowns for single-figure caseloads. Western Australia, venue for the fifth and final test, is so stricken by COVID terror that it has even asked its citizens to observe social distancing while fleeing bushfires. Now, I just don't understand how you can, from the United Kingdom, criticise the handling of the pandemic by Queensland and Western Australia. Those two states collectively have about 8 million people, so roughly an eighth of the population of the United Kingdom. And yes, I accept they're a long way from the rest of the world and they are uh, more less densely populated than the UK, although Brisbane and Perth are pretty densely populated. But factoring all that in, even adjusting for population, so Queensland and Western Australia in total in the pandemic have had 16 deaths. Make that 140 to factor in for the differences in um, in population. And 27,000 cases, again, if you factor in the population. The UK has had 7,900,000 cases. And again, Queensland and Western Australia adjusted for population, 140 deaths. The UK has had 137,000 deaths. A day just recently, the UK had 150 deaths. That's more than the population adjusted figures for Queensland and Western Australia for the entirety of the pandemic. Now, you can certainly say that Australia stuffed up the vaccine rollout. I'm no fan at all of Scott Morrison. There are plenty of things that we could have done and should have done better. But And you can say maybe that, that Queensland and Western Australia have been too harsh on their, on their border closures. But to say, to sort of imply that, oh, you know, these guys are such cowards and so, um, so they're, you know, they're, they're not, not big enough to take it seriously. When the tragedy that's, that's befallen the United Kingdom, 137,000 deaths, that's one of the, you know, the great tragedies of modern times. It's sickening and repugnant. And that, 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 to mock how these two states have gone when they've had almost no deaths, um, I find uh, insane. And also, he's talking about how uh, Scott Morrison will find it electorally to his advantage to have the ashes go ahead. Now, as I said, I think Scott Morrison's a terrible prime minister. And I'm sure that if he thought that he could make the ashes go ahead and that would be an electoral advantage, he would do it. But as much as many Australians, all three of us, love the ashes and are looking forward to them, no one is going to vote on that issue. No one's going to in May next year say, oh, um, well, the ashes didn't go ahead, so I'm not going to vote for Scott Morrison. Or the ashes did go ahead, I am going to, to vote for Scott Morrison. That is such an insane proposition that it throws his entire um, article into insanity it's like like saying if i read an article said well london is of course far far north of aberdeen and people go well 
No, it's not. So everything else you say, when you've got that so wrong, um, it just uh, beggars belief. So, yeah, I would oh, like a also, lot. Sorry, go on. No, you go. You go. Well, he's also wrong in saying that um, Queensland is shutting down for single cases now because it's not. <laughs> it hasn't done that for months now. There have actually uh, been several times where they've had single cases, including today, um, single case numbers and, and haven't shut down. They've well, that's a really good point. Because I also, I don't have the figures in front of me, but I'm sure that the, the, the total time that Queensland has spent in lockdown and the total time that Western Australia has spent in lockdown is vastly less than the time that the United Kingdom has spent in lockdown. We just had a grand final of the AFL in Perth. We just had a grand final of the Rugby League in Brisbane, both with crowds. People in Western Australia and people in Queensland be saying, we're doing just fine, thank you very much. We're living with the pandemic uh, really, really well. And if the rest of the world had had their attitude of let's close the borders until we actually uh, can get a vaccine to, to stop this, then probably millions of deaths worldwide would have been averted. So I'm sick of well, England lecturing us in that way. We also had the advantage of being an island. So, I mean, we were able to do that. But just if, only, if only Britain was an island. Well, that's true. But it just, um, just to, um, but just to get some basic facts wrong too and people read that and then go, oh, God, can you believe Queensland has single cases and then they go into lockdown? It's very annoying when people read such in, like factually incorrect stuff on the other side of the world too. And also that we're so so beholden to sport that, oh, these Australians, they, they take their cricket pretty seriously. They're going to vote in the government depending on whether or not the Ashes go ahead. For all that the Ashes is big and major, more Australians are probably unaware of it's even coming up than, are, than aware of it and looking forward to it. It's, it's, it's issue number seven million in terms of um, electoral situations. Well, obviously not for me, Paul. Like, clearly... Not even you. You're you not know- going to vote for... Because the other thing is, Morrison himself, when he was asked for political reasons by Boris Johnson to do something, effectively said something like, well, I'd love the ashes to go ahead, but I really can't do much. So it's not even as though the government is trying to exercise major um, impact on it. It'll either go ahead or not. It will have zero political consequences for anyone. Does for me the fact that our slow vaccine rollout has put the ashes in jeopardy is certainly influencing where my vote's going to go. Um, so, well, it's not because you were intelligent enough not to be going to be voting for Scott Morrison in the first place. I mean, this is I probably mean, just another reason not to. Also, exactly. but, uh, you know, when when we do criticize, this is probably getting a little off topic of the cr- cricket, but when we do criticize the vaccine rollout, and I criticize it just as as well. I think the vaccine rollout was a disaster from. Australians too like not enough people got it quick enough like not just the government like there's a lot of hesitant people that are still getting their first jabs yes and at this point I urge everyone please get your jabs even if you don't think it's the right thing to do it is so please do it and before we move on you know there's a lot of pommy bashing on this podcast from me if you think it is not going to ramp up a thousand percent if if england call off the ashes then you're wrong i'm going to go nuclear if england call off the ashes so you know pommy <laughs> listeners you may as well stop listening as soon as england if england pull out of the ashes because i'm not going to hold back um but i'll i'll, I'll keep the 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 guns in the kit bag kit bag at the moment till we get the announcement but I'm ropeable about this. I'm I furious. Uh, these, this, this posturing, this threats from the, from the players. I mean, I think the ECB want the series to go ahead, but the players themselves are being atrocious, ego driven maniacs. And, um, none of them are good enough to even warrant this sort of attitude anyway, apart from Root and then Stokes and Archer aren't even available. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's just ridiculous. Would you say, Menas, that? 
unless stop, unless stopped at once, it's likely to upset friendly relations existing between Australia and England. <laughs> I think so. You know where that's from? Who where from? That was from the first body line cable, but the, the Australian Board of Control sent to England in 1932. <laughs> yeah, this is worse than body line. Um, I, do have, I did pick up one bit of news from the Daily Telegraph on the weekend where Jess Halloran wrote... This is wrote, the Australian Daily Telegraph now. Yes, um, that, um, that the Aussie players' um, partners and families are a little bit upset that they haven't been given communications yet for how the summer will play out. Um, so Jess writes that there is growing unrest among the Australian cricket team's partners and families, with some saying they have received no communication from Cricket Australia around the upcoming Ashes series. It's almost as if we have been forgotten, said one partner. And, and I think this just underlines the level of uncertainty that Cricket Australia are operating in. Like they cannot say anything to the families or partners because they have nothing to say yet. They don't know who will be allowed in. We saw what happened with the NRL fiasco with the wives who flew up north. Sorry for anyone that has no idea what I'm talking about, most <laughs> of the world. But, um, you know, that was a local football competition and they got in trouble for taking some wives into state. So, um, you know, the, the they, they, sorry, just to clarify, though, we should probably say they legally took them in the state. They were given exemptions. They didn't sneak them in. <laughs> no. Um, but, had to, and yeah, so look, um, I just think Cricket Australia are in a tough spot where they cannot give assurances to their own players' families, let alone the Pommies. One other thing, just before I forget on that, uh, the previous one, that in terms of vaccinations, finally we are catching up. New South Wales at the moment have, uh, of people 16 years and over, 88.5% have had their first shot, and that's rising all the time. It is going to get into the 90s and hopefully well into the 90s. So, just that's to add on to what we were saying before, that we are catching up the rest of the world in terms of vaccination, and we'll probably overtake most of them. All right. Well, let's just hope that the ashes goes ahead. Paul and I, and hopefully Jaleesa, have thought that if there is a, a, a an announcement at the end of this week, especially if it's saying the ashes aren't going ahead, we might re- record a, a quick reaction podcast. Mine's going to be very x-rated so i don't know how much i'll actually go to air you'll be um, recording from your jail cell <laughs> that's right. are I, you getting nude again uh, <laughs> got, uh, got pants on today don't worry <laughs> no i thought you'll just go on a rampage of um of um, smashing garbage bins and stuff in his anger and he'll be locked up for his own safety i'm gonna bring back twitter live um so i might be doing some things live on twitter when reacting you do lives on twitter yeah you can. This is um, a whole new world. And, and if, if I go live, say, a minute after England announced they're not coming, can you imagine what's going to come out? Um, <laughs> anyway. All right, well, let's get onto the headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Some cricket was played. So the, the women's test between Australia and India on the Gold Coast. Sorry, England, they're still playing cricket up there in Queensland. Um, played a day-night test match, and it, it turned out to be a draw, but... India certainly had the advantage throughout the game. So at the end of the match, they take two points each. So Australia has six points and India four points in the multi-format series. So in the three T20s, if India were to win three zip, they would win the series. If they India win two, uh, win two one, they draw the series and you can work out the rest. Australia, if they win two one, they will win the multi-format series. Um, but, a, you know, a really exciting um, test match, I guess, in patches. You know, what did you think? I thought there was glimpses of really good cricket. 
I thought it was a disaster and a massive opportunity for female cricket lost. That yep. um, not to not to blame the players at all. I, I blame the pitch, and I think that after those second and third one dayers, which had two of the best finishes uh, to, to games of cricket I've seen in a long time, I sang on Cricket Daily. How in the second one day I was up with my daughter till eleven o'clock at night watching it. I think that uh, women's cricket in this country was on a, a platform right at the best that it's ever had. It was heartbreaking that some of the test match was actually live on Channel 7, um, their premium prime, prime station, that the, the ratings figures potentially were so big that it had been people that had never been exposed to women's cricket before seeing it. And they had a month to know that the game was going to be in the Gold Coast. It, that, yes, it was moved, but it wasn't moved as though it was at the last day. And I think it's an... I think there should be an inquiry, actually, within Cricket Australia as to how they bungled this so badly. I think it's utterly disgraceful that these elite athletes were given such a terrible pitch to perform. And I think they played as well as the conditions allowed. But when, you know, they're going along at um, sometimes barely two and over, there was nothing on offer for, for the bowlers at all. Just imagine the difference. When they had the first ever men's day night test match, they were so concerned in Adelaide with making sure that it was going to be a good spectacle. There was all this talk in the lead up as to how many extra millimetres of grass were going to be left on the wicket. And in the end, they went too far the other way and the test match was over in three days, but it was fine. It was captivating. It was a great watch. Here they had grass on the wicket um, from all reports on the day before, and then they shaved it off. Well, they shaved away any interest um, from the match. Uh, yes, in an ideal world, the players might have said beforehand, let's just go for broke no matter what and um, uh, try and smash the ball everywhere and make uh, really, really aggressive declarations. That would have been nice, but possibly quite naive. You know, professional athletes, uh, they're, they're paid to get results. So I don't blame them at all for not doing that. And I, I just think that uh, Cricket Australia should be really ashamed of themselves because the glimpses of uh, good cricket that we're seeing, it's enough for me to say, if they had proper pitches, they could have an Australia-India four-test match series on and it would um, it would be really really highly watchable and could uh, sort of excite both nations just as the Australia and men, Australia and India men's series did a year ago. So an opportunity lost and a really really poor pitch. I have no idea what game you were watching because I thought the pitch was fine. I don't think it was a, a great pitch, but there was certainly enough bounce and carry to keep the bowlers interested. I don't think Australia bowled well at all on the first day and India got on top of them. Yeah, I thought the pitch was fine. It wasn't a great pitch. I think more that – and I do have to say, Paul, they were given a lot less notice than you would normally be given to prepare a test pitch. Um, but – I thought more the problem was the fact that it wasn't five days. I thought, actually, if you look at where the, the game was on the fourth day, if they'd had another day, we would have been set for a really exciting finish. India could have, you know, got 350, 400 ahead and then put Australia in on the last day and tried to bowl us out and get the win. So I actually think it was the fact that it was a four-day test that robbed the contest of any excitement rather than the actual pitch conditions. Well, it's, I'm pleased to see you've changed your tune on that because last time on this show you said you were happy with of being four-day pitches. Of course, that's a problem. It should have been five days. That's taken as red. And I, I agree that there was some carry um, and some uh, bounce in the pitch, but there's absolutely uh, not enough lateral movement or spin. I Yeah, it didn't deteriorate, but maybe if it goes into five days, you see a bit more of that. And it did rain, which would have uh, kept the pitch a bit fresh. I mean, my... I think the... The, the, it, there was a, it was a it was a bit of a fail all around, which was a real shame because I agree with Paul about the pitch and but uh, the five day it needed to be five days and then we had that rain which was just a, such a disaster 
And there was a lot of people that were really critical about the quality of cricket too. And the thing is, is that that's not going to get better unless we play more women's test test cricket. It's just uh, it's just an experience thing, and it's just experience on those different kind of pitches. And um, it's a shame that pe- that sometimes people can't see past the fact that we need more of it to make it better. Um, and I think that really showed in this. It really just showed that that we need to increase it. I just think Absolutely. they needed to say. We, we just the one thing we've got to avoid is for this to be um, a pitch where it's just too easy to score slowly and not get out. They had to say, let's err on the side of leaving more grass on there than we should. And if it means that both sides get bowled out for 120 on in the first innings, that's fine. It's 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 highly watchable stuff. And that for them to have not had that thought process, I just find bizarre. Well, I disagree with the criticisms of the pitch. I, I don't think it was a great pitch. And it should be noted that they did schedule the match in for the whacker because there's a lot of pace and bounce there. And that does aid the female game. Um, you know, the, the, the ball is just slower in the female game. So, um, you know, a faster pitch does help. But I, I think the cr- criticisms of the pitch are a little bit too much. I, I think the rain robbed the match of a lot of momentum. And back to your point about four day tests. And it's the same for men's cricket, Paul, that I would rather play a four-day test than no test if that's what it com- comes down to for board scheduling women's tests. If they say we can't afford five, we can scrape in four financially, that's fine. At least they get the experience. But I think for the Ashes and these big marquee series like against India, they should try and schedule the one test to be five days uh, to really give them every chance of getting a result. And they are showpiece test matches where you do get a lot of eyeballs on on the women's game that you don't normally get in in the white within the red ball but um yeah fifth i think five days is what they've got to do yeah i agree and but it i know that by having it only four days as well the fact that rain then occurs uh robs it of even uh, more momentum but it is not quite as as big a difference given that it's 100 overs so that's four times 100 it's meant to be a 400 over test match the men these days struggle to get much more than 85 overs in. So what's that's 425 overs. It's rather than a, a day shorter, it's more like a session shorter. And I agree that when the, when the rain comes, that exacerbates things. I certainly think it should be five days. I, I think they should all be five days. Given how few women's test matches there are, surely one extra day in the, in the once in a blue moon they play them, that's not that hard to schedule. That's right. And... Uh, Sort of looking at the performances on the field, I was surprised at how well India did in the red ball game. And India are, and you said this about the men's team, Paul, but can you imagine when the BCCI start throwing resources at women's cricket? Australia might never beat them again. Definitely. And that's where I was. I sort of sent out a tweet saying flippantly that if they could have found a way to sort of manufacture a result in this game, uh, sort of ironically, if Australia had lost the game in the last over, it could have been the best thing that happened to all of those cricketers because maybe the IPL, the, the BCCI would have said, wow, this has energised the nation in a way we didn't expect it to be. Let's get a, a WIPL up and running, um, uh, much in the same way that the 83 World Cup win from New, from India, before then they couldn't care less about one-day cricket. Suddenly they started playing a million of them. And the 2007 World T20 win, that sort of um, got India interested in T20 cricket and the IPL and everything else has spawned from that. So it could have been a, a watershed moment. Well, the series continues this Thursday. The t- three T20s cannot wait for that one. 
All right, so um, the IPL is continuing, and I'm on Aussie Watch in the IPL. Nathan Ellis has been playing over there. I think he's been doing okay. Um, he reminds me a bit of Brett Lee in the white ball game. What do you think, Paul? No, oh, um, he looks like him. He's got the same color hair. Um, <laughs> no, he's but a, sk- he's sort of skiddy. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a similar. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that. He, he's the sort of bowler that is not really suited to those kind of conditions, um, and that any any success he has over there is is a bonus. That he's a he's a much more of a a player who'll be suited on different wickets, as all the, the fast bowlers are. The fact that Hazelwood, who I think is our, I probably still think he consistently is the T Twenty bowler I would have most faith in for Australia at his best. Stark is the best, but consistently, I think Hazelwood is the best, and he has been you know, he's, he's had some success, but he's been hit around a bit over there as well. It makes me think that, um, you know, why did Enriquez not get any bowl in the recent tours? He's just played the other night and he's taken three for 12 or four overs, including the wicket of Cole. He's got the first, second and third batters in the order out. Maybe it's the sort of thing, if these wickets are going to be as slow as this during the World Cup, that we shouldn't have um, as many or any specialist fast bowlers going to the game. Maybe we should just have spinners and, um, you know, those dibbly-dobbly medium paces. Did you see Enriquez dismiss your man, Dan Christian, and Enriquez Sixers teammate, Dan Christian, for a golden duck? Uh, I have excised that from my uh, mind. It's been so disappointing that um, Christian has suddenly got a game, and the two games, and he's failed um, back-to-back. So, uh, yeah, um, it's just going to be that if he ultimately does somehow find his way into the side and um, uh, be man of the match in the final, as I as I confidently expect, it's going to make the story even better. You mentioned Josh <laughs> Hazelwood. Uh, he's so he's bowled twenty four overs. He, he didn't play in the first bit of the IPL, so this is just in the resumption. Twenty four overs, a run rate of eight point eight seven with seven wickets. Run rate conceded. That is. So look, I think the thing about Josh Hazelwood is he bowls these magnificent spells that are you know excellent they take wickets um, he keeps the runs down but then the next game he might go for 14 and over for a few overs he's just one of those bowlers i think that if a, a bowl a batter really lines him up he can go the journey plus the fact that the boundaries are, are not very long that you know you can you can top edge one that at the mcg would be caught 10 meters in from the rope and here it sails into the stands it's it really is set up against the fast bowlers over there not going that well for the Aussies over in the IPL. So Stoinis has a slight injury, he hasn't played. Steve Smith played twice for the Delhi Capitals and was then dropped. He was bowled in his last game by Nathan Coulton-Isle around his legs. David Warner has been dropped from the Sunrisers' side. The only player doing well is Glenn Maxwell. 350s in a row. Paul, you must be chuffed. Absolutely. I mean, he does seem to go in purple patches that I hope that he hasn't... Um started his purple patch in this meaningless warm-up competition too early and he's he's still got something left for the actual when the real cricket starts so that's the ipl watch it's coming to the end of the tournament so there's going to be some exciting finals cricket in the next week well jaleesa you must have been so thrilled since our last recording the sheffield shield season and domestic season has begun so we've had a 50 over game and a shield match between South Australia and Western Australia in the 50 over game. Western Australia made six for 352. 
Felipe, yeah. Felipe made 137 and Mitch Marsh 111. In reply, South Australia all out for 237. Alex Carey 128 not out. Jason Berendorf four for 39. So I love it. I've read out four names there. They're all contenders for the Aussie side. Yeah, good to see the Shield uh, back up and running, but it sort of gets a little lost at this time of year when it does start because you get, you know, swamped with NRL finals and that sort of thing. We'll Did be not inter- watch one minute of the NRL finals, literally I not don't one that. minute, I not don't one minute of that. the NRL, not one minute of the AFL. I know who won. I don't care. You didn't watch one. What, what were you watch, doing slash watching instead? I know. He messaged me. He, can I say it? Yes. He Go proudly on. messaged me because I was saying, you know, how much I was looking forward to the game. He said, I'm going to be watching Peaky Blinders. Oh, That's I right. didn't see that message. That was in the group chat. Oh, was it? it? <laughs> I, fa- was I found it? a I new show. I, you, I don't even know what that is. It's the show that Shane Warne likes and Shane Warne. So you'd love it because you love Warney. But well, you know, if Warney likes it, it's good enough for me. What's that hat Warney wore last summer? I can't remember the name. You might know, Paul, that classic English sort of cap. Um, but sort anyway, of cloth cap. Oh, the, um, yeah. So that's, um, you know, they wear them in Peaky Blinders and that's why last summer um, Warney had one all summer. Oh, well, then I approve of it. I'll have to start watching So it. that's what I was watching, yeah. It is a little bit concerning to, um, we already had a bit of a problem with the Shield given that uh, that game in Tasmania and um, Queensland was rescheduled when Queensland did have a case and Tasmania ultimately decided to go home before uh, any lockdown was called or anything like that, which any lockdown wasn't called. Um, so it is a bit concerning to see what's going to happen with the Shield cricket over the summer if, if uh, we have little scares like that. I, I, I don't think we'll be getting through a Shield season unscathed. Yeah, Todd Greenberg was on the radio this morning, who's head of the ACA, the Australian Cricketers Association, and he did say that he thinks there'll be quite a few more bumps in the road for the domestic summer it, it is quite a, a catastrophic state at the moment where you have Queens, uh, New South Wales and Victoria, the two most popular states, the two most important domestic cricket teams, not playing any first class cricket or 50 over cricket in the lead up to the Ashes. There's no um, prospect of any cricket in the near future. South Australia, I do not think want the teams to go and quarantine there. So, I mean, they are, frozen out at the moment. I mean, the two biggest states, they should be playing each other, at least something. They'll get something done sooner or later. Um, I think that events are going to move quite quickly, that um, things will open up and we've we've got until April really to play it. So I I know that it'd be great to get the matches in at the normal time to get some some cricket into some of these players. But I think one way or another, uh, we'll get the Shield season in. In terms of what actually happened on the field, it was a pretty flat wicket, but interesting to see Travis Head making 163. Um, Cameron Green, 106. That's the most heartening thing to see, that uh, every time he gets runs, it's exciting, given what a, what a phenomenal prospect he is. So it's shaping in, and it, as an interesting battle for a couple of spots in that, um, in that first test um, at the Gabba against New Zealand in a few weeks' time. Yeah, so, well, let's look at that Shield match. I do want to... So I told you you don't listen to me, man, do you? What? Nothing. All right. I listened to you. You just talked about great, but I want to talk about that Shield match because something interesting <laughs> happened beforehand. So, I said it'll be interesting in the first test match against New Zealand in a couple of weeks' time. He wasn't listening. No, yeah. but I thought you said the Cameron Green scored 100. Oh, the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I missed You're that missing last, the point. I missed the last joke. 
Okay. Thanks for listening, again. Minister. I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not the Kiwis. Anyway, um, just, you know, something interesting happened between the, the Marsh 50 oh, over game and the Sheffield Shield match that Mitchell Marsh decided to sit out of the Shield game to not affect his T20 World Cup preparations. He said he's felt that, you know, sort of not preparing for multi-formats has really helped him and that he's, you know, preparing for white ball cricket by just going into the nets and trying to smash sixes all the time. And that's really working for him. So he he didn't want to go back and, uh, you know, turn down the gears, go back down the gears for a a shield match. But that's quite peculiar. (laughs) I mean, on one sense, it it makes sense. But on the other sense... It wouldn't have, I don't think it would have really impacted too much. I mean, I hope that he's, does he do anything else other than practice in the nets for, um, for T20 cricket? Does he, um, watch TV? Does he play a game of golf? I mean, um, I, I think that playing a few overs of shield cricket would have been fine, but look, you know, um, whatever works for him. Yeah, it's just n- not something that you see often in Australian domestic cricket players like him sitting out to play in one format. So in that actually, shield- to be fair to him, Steve O'Keefe did it a few years ago in reverse, and I congratulated him at the time. That's so right. I, I, sh- I probably should say that as well, that Steve O'Keefe, ahead of the 2017 Tour of India, um, pulled out of the Big Bash to sort of focus on playing grade cricket, red ball cricket, to kind of uh, keep him in that mindset. So, uh, yeah, maybe I've been a bit harsh on, on Mitch there. That's right. That's a good point. Socky did do that. Uh, so that first Shield match of the summer... Um, was a, a draw, as you said, Head made a century, Green made a century, Sean Marsh also made a century, 118. He keeps on going. It's his 20th Shield ton. Josh Felipe made 77. It's great to see him making runs in a longer format. And Jake Carter, who was signed by South Australia, made 118. And finally, Hilton Cartwright, the forgotten Australian all-rounder, made 121 not out. Um, so that was the f- only match of the Shield season. Now, Julissa, you mentioned the Queensland-Tasmania game that was called off on the morning of the match. It was heartbreaking for me. I'd lined up eight days of Shield cricket in a row and then get a message from Paul that the, the, the match is delayed a day and my heart sinks and then it's crushed because it's completely called off. So that match has been rescheduled for Adelaide, but it's got from it's got worse for Queensland. Their their van was robbed outside the Karen Rolton Oval and uh, Jimmy Pearson had two bats stolen. So and there's photos on the internet of the van with the broken window. So Queensland have um been not so great to begin this summer. He's in good company. One of the very first things that happened to Don Bradman when he was um, on the verge of Australian selection was that his kickbag got stolen from the SCG dressing room. They went in and they only took his. So they kind of already knew that he was going to be the one whose bag was worth stealing, even though he was yet to play a test match. So Jimmy Pearson in good company. So Sheffield Shield fixtures have been announced. On the 7th of October, Queensland host Tasmania in Adelaide. Then South Australia play Queensland in Adelaide on the 15th. And then on the 17th, Western Australia host Tasmania at the Wacker. So there's at least some domestic cricket for some states. Speaking of that, they've got to do, I'll make the same criticism of the Adelaide wickets as I have of, of the Gold Coast, that what we don't want to see in those games is yet another batathon. That that's, that's not helping anyone. Um, they need to inject some juice into those South Australian wickets so that we can get some, I mean, you know, Jimmy Pearson, oh, not Jimmy Pearson, um, Josh Philippe comes back from struggling overseas and then it's, you know, situation normally can score plenty of runs on pretty, pretty flat Aussie decks. They need to juice those wickets up to 
really let's find out how good these players are because Travis had struggled during the winter in England. Um, how much value is this uh, big century that he scored in Australia? It's, it's, it's significant, but it would be a lot more significant if it was on a much more difficult pitch. Yeah, they do have to liven them up a bit. How about those Kiwis, eh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it for headlines. Um, <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. Just want to remind you all, find us on social media at Oz Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I haven't told my colleagues about this, but I'm really hoping we get to do a live show this summer. It was too difficult last year, but hopefully this summer we get to do a live recording of Cricket Unfiltered in Sydney. Um, you know, obviously, we have to see how all the restrictions play out. It won't be this calendar year, but I'm hoping sort of early next year, depending if the bloody poms come, we get to um, maybe do a recording around that test match. All right, back after this with Can't Let It Go. All righty, we're coming to the end of this podcast. Uh, I'm mentally rattled. Men is mentally rattled after the announcement overnight, so I can't really keep it together. It's Can't Let It Go time. Jaleesa, what have you got for us? Okay, well, my can't let it go comes from another sport. It Sorry, you thought I was done after the NRL season finished. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not. It's A-League season, and I will be infiltrating this podcast with other sports till the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, my can't let it go is uh, the A-League changed, made a massive announcement during the week, and it does relate to cricket. So stay Can with I just me. jump in for a second? Because there's what? a lot of people listening going, what is she talking about? The A-League is Australia's domestic soccer competition. <gasps> Oh, Continue. you can't say soccer. No, no, no. You've got to call it football. That's Asso- true. Association football, please. I'm, 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 of course, you know, dramatically acting there because there, there are a lot of fans that do get angry when you call it football, despite the Socceroos being called the Socceroos. Just let <laughs> you ponder that one for a second. So now that Channel 10's got the rights to the A-League, and I'm a big soccer fan, so this is going to be much more enthralling to me than stupid NRL talk. Jaleesa, continue. Okay, so uh, it does come back to cricket, so stay with me, but the A-League made an announcement a few days ago that they were changing the W-League, which was the Women's League, changing the W-League and rebranding the W-League and the Y-League, which was the Youth League, so that everything is called the A-League. And it was championed as women's equality how good is the equality here we've changed the w league to the a league women's a league men's this is so frustrating to me because all the follow-up talk was the wbbl needs to change to be just the bbl that would be equality this is equality and what mindset is this equality i am so furious about this because what happens is when i go to google say a league results what am i going to get Whereas if I Google W League results, I know I'm just getting women's news, women's uh, results, women's fixtures. It was just, you know, and you think you might think like that's a minor thing, but it actually makes a massive impact when you look at like SEO, which is like, you know, what cr- creates sort of all the algorithms for what your news gets and what comes up with results when you Google things and things like that. It is terrible for women's marketing because you're there, you're actually now hiding it behind the men's so all you've done is actually taken what could have been a standalone competition where i can just focus on women's and you've hidden it behind all this shit that i'm going to get for the men's when i actually just want to find the women's and i just 
get so frustrated at this thought that to make women's sport equal, it must be the same as men's. For equality in women's sport, everything must be the same as men's. That is complete bullshit. Women's sport needs the same opportunities. It needs the same pay. It needs all of those things that make it accessible. It doesn't need to be the same as men's because it isn't possible to make everything the same as men's. And you know what? I watch women's cricket for different reasons than I watch the men's cricket. I watch women's AFL for different reasons, women's NRL. I don't want everything to be the same as men's because then what's the point? It's fine to be a woman. And I feel like this sends the message that it's not. You have to be more and more like the men or it's not up to standard. And I don't want the – so to come back, I don't want the WBBL to change. And I feel like it's going to because women's cricket has been really ahead in terms of gender equality that I think this will be seen as a really good move and I don't like it. Didn't this start with the whole debate about whether the Australian Football League should have like AFLW and AFL? M. I mean, yes. I totally agree yes. with you, Jaleesa. The PC police have gone mad on this one and they're too caught up in what is just a simple branding and a label. It's not a, it's not a discriminatory um, term put on the sport. It's just to differentiate it. And uh, I, I can see why people might say you should be doing it like AFL M and AFLW and maybe, um, but you know, the, the cricket has that, the WBBL and the BBL. Um, I don't think it's a big thing. No, it's not, it's not gender. It's not oppressive to be acknowledging that this is a women's sport. It's just so frustrating to me that you know, kid, if you go up to kids who follow the WBBL, they don't give a shit that it's not called the BBL. They want to follow the WBBL because, you know, they're looking at these young girls who are amazing or, you know, and young women who are doing amazing things. They don't give a shit that it's got a W in front of it. Like, this is just madness. I think it's a good idea. And you say that. <laughs> you, you like it, do you? Go on. I'm, I'm keen to know why. I'm not. Um, I hear what you say. Um, you're I hiding suppose... it. You're hiding it behind. All you're doing is now. You're, it's a marketing. Fu- it, no, not you. The like the decision. All it is is a marketing absolute nightmare because now you don't have the W League to market. Now you've just got the A League, and it gets completely washed in with the men's. What's the point? I think it worked really well in the hundred. Um, that when the hundred was kind of co-marketed and I think it actually helped the helped the women's hundred. But I also think that I, I just think in 50 years time, if you say to a kid, do you realize that there was once a separate league called the W league and the W stood for women, they would find that amazing. And I think it will be something that looks like an anachronism in years to come. And I think that most of these sports were the men's league was created first. And then the women's league has had sort of a, a sort of an, an added on name. And I just think it's the way that the world's going that, um, ultimately that you want to keep them the same and for the difficulty that you get in googling i just don't think that's that's that much of a big deal because you could easily just whack women at the end of it you could just put a league women and you'll get all of the same um google results that you would have once got but it's not just in terms of google it's just the w league had such a strong brand and like wbbl has such a strong brand i'm still mourning the loss of the southern stars because that was a strong brand to me why did we have to get rid of it i didn't know that they ever did What's yeah, the they, they, yes, they did. They got rid of the Southern Stars. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just saying I was I was not aware that they. Yeah, did. they yes. officially changed the Australian women's cricket team name from the Southern Stars to the, the Australian women's cricket equality. team. That's no. I think it's just that makes so much sense. The Southern Stars 
for most people, they wouldn't know what that meant. I, 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 but, I knew what it meant, and I'd followed the Southern Stars. I had stuff with Southern Stars on it, and then all of a sudden, that wasn't okay. We can we couldn't acknowledge that. But I don't think that was more. I mean, I, I would guess that that's not so much about gender equality. There is just to saying um, you're, you're going to have more success calling them the Australian women's cricket team. I, but I'm I'm passionate about that in the sense that. I don't like the Socceroos being called the Socceroos. I would just rather them be called the Australian soccer team or the Australian football team, whatever you like. I, I just think that some of these, at a national level, I prefer the team's names to have a bit more gravitas. And I think that- at the time, at the time the Southern Stars was changed, it was because of gender equality. That's okay. why they changed it. Well, um, fair enough. Uh, but in terms of this, uh, I just think it's the way that things are going, and that. In, in the in the years to come, it will look strange that the women's leagues had to have sort of something that um, identified them, whereas the men's ones didn't. But that, is it, isn't it history? Like, because the men's ones started first. We can't ignore that. Like, it's to sit here and pretend. Well, the men's ones started first. And to pretend that we didn't. And then, okay, you're starting off the 100 as the 100, right? So they're starting off with men and women. So that makes sense. But you did this. these leagues didn't start like that. So it's not why? changing the history. It's just changing the, the future. That you, you can't just always say, well, because it's been done this way, it has to always be done this way. That if it, it should live or die, die whether or not it's a good improvement. Now, you think it's a bad improvement, and that's fair enough. But I think to say that we can't change it because that'll cha- that, that, that it has been done that way in the past, if you always have that viewpoint, then progress is never going to get made. Well, I think it's horrendous marketing. It does affect. It, the past does affect. Like, you know, you've been marketing as the W League for all these years and you're marketing WBBL for all these years and then you change it, it does have an effect whether you like it or not. And the alternative now is it's going to be men's league, women's league, men's WBBL. Sorry, <laughs> men's WBBL. <laughs> that would that would stick it to the PC police. They'd have nowhere to go. <laughs> um, but, you know, men's WBBL. No, it'll just be BBL when it happens. It'll be yeah, BBL. But, that, but it'll be men's BBL and women's BBL. That's, yeah, so what are you going to call it? So you'll have to say something, you know. You'll have yeah. to let the listener or the reader People know. are smart. They'll work it out. Okay. All right. So when the Sixers play the Stars in a women's match, I don't have to say they're women. I can just say the scores. No, when you say, when you exactly. sort of say, when you say that Elise Perry got some so many runs, that'll make, make, make things pretty clear. Well, well, also, it might, maybe it'll mean that a few men actually watch the women's games by mistake, and that's not a bad thing. See, that's, that, that is the most offensive argument. I heard that argument that come a, back to me. That was a joke. Twitter. That was a joke. I know, I, know, I know it's a joke, but I heard that argument legitimately come back to me on Twitter several times, and I was like, no, 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 no thanks. This is exactly what I'm saying. We don't need to group it in with the men's. It, it's fine by itself. All right. My can't let it go. They're not quite as compelling as Jaleesa's there. But um, <laughs> firstly... First, I've got two. Firstly, we haven't actually done an episode since the conclusion of the 50 over series between India and Australia in the women's multi-format series. And I just want to say, can't let go what a great set of three matches of 50 over cricket they were, especially second, the second and third matches were just classic um, one day cricket and did um, revitalize my affection for that format of the game. And, but my real can't let it go and, and, let me preface this by saying I really respect, love Mel Jones as a commentator, but she said the most ridiculous thing before play on the final day of the day-night test match that I almost think she did a, a disservice 
to cricket and anybody watching that by thinking that it was feasible, the situations he was outlining. So Mel Jones, before the last day, was saying that Australia might declare early in the first session, then India would, for some reason, want to try and get a result out of this game. So they'd set Australia so that India would bat in the middle session. And then because they want to give Australia a chance, they'd set them a a target in the last session at about six and over. And we could be in store for a a crazy finish to the test match. I mean, that was never going to happen. There's more chance of me sprouting wings and flying to Queensland from here and watching it live than them actually doing that. And I was just I was just like, who's producing that coverage to think this can go up on the screen? Because it was just farcical, it was horseshit, and it was just embarrassing. No, I think that it would have been a good thing if it, if it did happen. It would have been a good thing if it did happen. I'm not disagreeing with that. But for Mel Jones to suppose that for one second the Indian team would give Australia a chance was just ridiculous. I mean, if they'd done that and Australia won, the series is gone. So why would India, for the sake of a few eyeballs on the TV, set Australia, the T20 world champions, a run rate of six per over in the last session. I mean, you should not even go on air and suggest that. Because it would have been the best thing to ever happen to women's cricket and therefore the best thing to happen to all 22 players involved. It would have been um, potentially, as I said, that lightning bolt moment that could have changed the uh, the, the trajectory of the sport you're forevermore. Arguing, you're arguing the wrong point with me, Paul. I'm not saying I wouldn't love in like a fairy tale world where everybody did the best for the greater good all the time that um, they did that, but there was just no chance of that happening. No, did you not feel a slight bit? Not, did you feel not slightly nervous when Lanning declared and then Yastika Bardi was padded up to come in at number three, and you thought maybe it could happen for a second? Uh, okay. The situation is completely different. So Australia declared because they were nine down. So it's not like they were, you know, five down and declared all of a sudden. Then India were no chance of setting Australia a a realistic target in the last session. What did they set them? 270 odd in 30 overs, which is very, very difficult, almost impossible, not impossible, but almost impossible. So, I've no doubt that India were going to have a bowl at Australia late in the day just to try and get a few wickets and, you know, get some momentum going in the T20s. But to think that they would go, oh, let's set them a target they might get. We might be able to win, you know, sneak a win here. It's just crazy, Paul. You know it. You know it was never going to happen. There was never that chance at all. Maybe not, but it's, I just I think I'm surprised you feel so strongly about it. That's all. I, I, I actually agree with you, Manners. I think, yeah, it's a bit silly. I agree. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, my wife's telling me to stop shouting. I'm too loud. Uh, <laughs> but look, uh, yeah, I just love Mel Jones and I, I get that she wanted some miracle to happen on that last day and she loves the women's game, but you need someone there like a producer or one of the co-hosts. No, the producer would have been saying that's fantastic. They want people to tune in. That's the whole nature of commentary. That, 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 that feels disingenuous. Of course it is. Of course it can be. You used to say it all the time when um when the the cricket would occasionally go past 6 p.m. and they had to keep it on the Channel 9 main station, they would all think, oh, God, all the people who have got no interest in cricket are about to tune across to Channel 7 to watch the news. 
you could hear the almost hear in the commentators' ears the instructions. Pump it up, make this seem like the most amazing thing ever. Even if they were just blocking out at the end of the day's play, they were, who knows what's going to happen? So I'm sure the producer patted her on the shoulder and said, "You might have got us an extra ten thousand viewers." Well, I'm going to cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Don't you do that every night? <laughs> He does at the moment, not knowing what's happening with the Ashes. (laughs) All right, Paul, bring it on home with your can't let it go. Okay, so the other day in the IPL, um, Rishab Punt was batting with Ashwin. They went for uh, a quick single, ball hit Punt's bat and ricocheted, and they went for a second, an overthrow, violating the kind of uh, unwritten law that you don't do that. Um, That caused Owen Morgan and Tim Southey to have a go at uh, Ashwin. It also caused Shane Warne to have a go at Ashwin um, on Twitter about it. Now, my take on this is twofold. Number one, I actually think they should change the convention because I just think that one day it'll happen on the last ball of a World Cup final. What are you going to do then? Of course you're going to run. Uh, then there's going to be a much, much bigger um, incident than there would be now. So just it's a nice convention, but let's just say we're getting rid of it. If you accidentally hit your body and you can keep on running, then so be it. But the point that annoys me is Verenda Saywag um, on Twitter sent something saying, on July the 14th, 2019, when it ricocheted off Ben Stokes' bat in the final over, Mr. Morgan uh, sat down outside Lords and refused to hold the World Cup trophy and New Zealand won. Um, and he's basically uh, added something else, uh, mocking him for saying he doesn't appreciate what Ashwin did. And I just find this really annoying because it's got like 40,000 likes on Twitter. And this is an example, I think, of Verenda Sawag being very disingenuous. He knew that there's no comparison for what occurred. What occurred in the World Cup, the ball went to the boundary for four. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, so if, as much as I think they should change the convention as it currently stands, they were well within their rights to be disappointed with Ashwin going for that second run. And for Sawag to draw that sort of false comparison, knowing that it's going to be cheerled on by, um, you know, people who are just basically cheerleading for the Indian side, I, I think that's really disappointing. And that sometimes... Um, you've got to just say, as the commentators did, Gavaskar criticised what happened, so did Simon Dool, uh, that you've got to be able to say, um, you don't have to just stand up for your own country's situation and you can criticise them rather than disingenuously kind of um, finding any way to, to back what um, the Indian has done, as, as I think what Verenda Sawak has done on this occasion. Just annoyed me. Yeah, what's galling about that whole thing with Ashwin is the double standard that he's so, um, you know, he's so... He polices the man-catting so virulently, yet he's happy when it suits him to just bend the rules a little bit to get an extra run. It just seems like Ashwin sort of sets the rules for how they suit him best. He didn't bend the rules. There's nothing against the the laws of the game and what he did. And as I said, I I think that's the way it should go. But given that it's not yet yet there, I can understand why people have had a go at him. Mm. Well, Fiery can't let it go um, to end the show. I think that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Jaleesa, you got anything planned for this week? Um, no, nothing planned. We're uh, Freedom Day soon, so just another week in lockdown for me. Same I'm recovering from the grand final. Well, hopefully I don't speak to you again this week because if I do speak to you, it's because England have called off the ashes and then it's just going to be a screaming fest on this podcast <laughs> for a little while. Um, Paul, you have a great week. You got anything planned? 
nothing especially exciting. So no, but uh, look forward to uh, hopefully not speaking to you guys the next couple of days for the same reasons that you said, Menas. <laughs> I just hope if uh, I just hope if if they are serious about pulling out of the ashes that they do it now and stop with the threats. If it's just threats, like it's getting old. Just if you really don't want to quarantine, you're probably going to have to do it in some form. So just pull out. We need to move on. Well, the headline to this podcast is Jaleesa Apps dares England to quit the ashes and stay home. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.